Welcome to the Bible Answer Show, a live and lively forum that brings together pastoral and apologetic voices from across the Christian community to answer your scripture questions. Our show is hosted by Pastor Michael Lance of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, along with a panel of pastors and other invited guests. The phone lines are open now. So, you've got questions? We've got answers on today's Bible Answer Show. Yo! Hey, it's, uh, it's the Bible Answer Show. Thanks for tuning in. The number here at the Bible Answer Show is 1-800-227-5278. 1-800-227-5278. If you want to get on that phone and give us a call, our guys are ready to answer your questions. My name is Mike Massaro. I'll be picking up your calls and handing them off to our crew here this afternoon. Starting off with Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook, Pastor Brian Richards, and Senior Pastor here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, Pastor Michael Lance. Gentlemen, are you ready to take on some Bible questions today? You know, right when you uh, started the program, I thought you had just woken up, so <laughs> you know, kind of feeling the same way. Yeah. <laughs> It's a well, Tuesday. Yeah, we're ready, Mike. And and yesterday seemed to be Manuscript Monday. <laughs> so, so anyway. today, is it uh, Textual Criticism Tuesday? <laughs> but we did want to say there's a couple of really accessible articles on manuscripts. Um, and sometimes, you know, we look at these things and then we put them aside and you're, you're like, okay, I'm trying to remember all the details of, of the different, uh, you know, manuscripts. But here's the deal. If you want to find out more about the Textus Receptus or the Received Text, and the majority text. You can go to gotquestions.org, gotquestions.org, and they have some really, you know, good articles there that are very accessible and they're not terribly long, and they'll give you a good overview. So I just wanted to give people that, uh, gotquestions.org. Pastor, can I also give a shameless plug towards our Bible school yes. here at uh, Living Truth? Um, our Truth Academy is in our first quarter right now. And every quarter, four quarters a year, we offer two classes, one on theology and one on apologetics. And we will have a class, actually two classes, on how we got the Bible. We're going to look at how we got the Hebrew scriptures, and then how we got the church scriptures, two different classes, and those will be in spring 2018. So if any of our listeners are interested, you can visit our website, thetruthacademy.com. And you guys have launched out into that, Brian. I think you have close to 30 students now. And yeah, in our it, first quarter. It's great. Uh, I'm reading through the book that you guys are using on the apologetics side, On Guard by William Lane Craig. It's a great book. So um, we're excited about that. So thetruthacademy.com, uh, Tuesday and Thursday night classes here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Brian Richards, and right now uh, Joe Kelly's teaching the apologetics side. So if you're interested, go there, thetruthacademy.com. And if you'd like to call us right now, we have about 25 minutes together to answer your Bible questions about the Bible, the Christian faith, world religions, the cults and the occult. How to apply a Bible verse in your life, or maybe even a situation you're going through that you need some pastoral guidance, 800-227-5278. So, Pastor Michael, I just found out one more thing, that there's a new term being used, and I'm assuming it's substituting for majority text called the critical text hmm. now. So it seems like that's an interchangeable, just in case someone was um, interested in that. Okay. All right. Let's jump into our first uh, question here in the grab bag. Guys, on a practical level, and, and I know that there's, uh, there's fathers out there that might be wondering about this, does the Bible, and mothers actually, does the Bible say anything that would apply to paying child support? Hmm. <laughs> 
Well, we've talked um, in the past, Mike, about, you know, Paul talking about it's you're, you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't provide for your own. And your own would include your children, whether or not you're still married to the same spouse or not. If those children are still in the years where they need support from a parent, um, and, I, and I can tell you this, Mike, this is deeply personal to me, this question, because my dad left our family when I was four. My sister was a little older, and I never ceased to remind her about that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he basically bailed on paying child support, and they tried to run him down, and you know, he, he left my mom to try to do it all by herself, and, though, and the kids... Me and my sister were his children. So I would argue just from that premise alone that he had responsibility and he bailed on it. And I believe, you know, that would be a biblical precedent we'd go back to. Uh, I would agree with it. Yeah, that yeah. verse that you're referencing, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his own household... He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So I find that interesting that Paul distinguishes between members of the household and relatives. So he actually broadens the category that we should be providing for our families. And we could go scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about how we as the church, as believers in Jesus, should be the most generous people on the planet. Yeah, I think... Along with that, though, it also presents something that's important for us to understand, that we, in our society today, we have become dependent upon government to, to provide for things that the family was supposed to be providing for. And even we in the church, uh, who, you know, oftentimes we get requests from people for help in that, and we love to do that. We love to help people. But one thing that we as uh, here at Living Truth as pastors and elders have decided is that we first need to look into the situation and see, because we don't want to enable uh, family members to not help their family, allow them to actually be in sin by not helping their family as we step in, you know, uh, maybe too quickly at times. You know, I, I kind of have a question for you guys as, as we're talking about this. You know, I, I've, been, I've been really wrestling with the Acts chapter 2 passage that talks about how uh, they had all things in common. They brought everything. They were selling their possessions mm -hmm. and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. Mm -hmm. And I, I just wonder, you know, thinking about government, mm -hmm. thinking about the church, um, have we just lost that, that, that art of, of generosity where, um, you know, people that w we influence, people that we have the ability to help, we're not helping because... We hold on to our possession so much. Well, Brian, I think in the First Timothy 5 passage, in the, the big picture setting of the chapter, at least a big portion of it has to do with widows. Widows had very little fallback um, in that day and age because it was hard for them to find employment. It was hard for them to really, you know, have a hearing, if you will, if they were uh, alone. And so if the family didn't come behind that and support them, then it was up to the church. And then we have instructions like widows who are widows indeed. There, there is some uh, language there, Coach, that says, you know, verify the situation. Mm -hmm. Make yeah. sure yeah. you're not just given to something to give to it. Mm -hmm. But when there is, Brian, we've said this many times, a genuine need and not just someone coming to the church and we're enabling them, mm. um, then I think it is incumbent upon the people of God to supply for the people, especially those who don't have means. If there's not a man yeah. in the house who, for example, um, is capable of working, maybe something happened to him physically, then then the church does need to try to step in. And that's where it's, it's about the community. Have we lost something? 
yeah, I mean, I think we could always look harder at this and say, you know, maybe we've fallen back, Coach, you said, to the yeah. government too much. Yeah, so so if we look at what was really happening at that particular time, I think that gives us some some clue. Remember that it says they were going from house to house, mm-hmm. so it wasn't a commune. And, and in the early 70s, you know, at the beginning of the Jesus movement, uh, a lot of communes started because they read those verses and they thought, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, they didn't read them closely enough. And uh, some tremendous things happened in those communes, by the way, um, positive things, and then also a few negative things you can imagine when you get people living together like that. But so what you look at is there was a closeness there. And, and the, the interesting thing is there, there was not a mandate from God to do it this way. They just loved each other so much mm-hmm. uh, in their fellowship one with another. They just looked at it and go, well, this guy's got a need. Let, you know, I've got an extra piece of property. I could sell that, and I could pay for that, and they could have food. Um, but it's, we're also told in here that the accountability part, you know, Paul said, hey, if a man won't work, shouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. So we have that balance between there, and that's why I say I think that accountability, and it does in some ways um, make us look at our own church bodies and say, hey, are we close enough together? And you know, here at Living Truth, one of the things that we're always concerned is, do we have, do we have enough time of fellowship one with another to really get to know each other? So we promote small groups and things like that, so people will have that connection, that closeness, and they'll know when there's a need there and uh, want to help. I just wanted to share one more verse as, as we're just discussing this that sticks out to me. Going back to the question, the original question about paying child support and stuff, this, this scripture also sticks out. First John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, By this we know love, that Christ uh, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him. Little children, mm-hmm. let us not love in word or talk, but in deed mm-hmm. and truth. Yeah, great so they So there you go. If, if love is driving what we're supposed to be doing, Brian, then love's always going to err on the side of making sure that someone's taken care of. If we're going to love uh, others as we love ourselves, we're going to make sure we have a blanket. Mm. We're going to make sure that we have you know, typically three squares a day you know, to eat. And so um, I think if that drives us, and it should, Jesus mm-hmm. said we should love each other as he loved us. Um, that takes care of most of the problems, including the problems in marriages today, hmm. which we could talk about for the next half an hour as well. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right. You're listening to the Bible Answer Show. The number here is 1-800-227-5278. Get those calls in before the end of the show. He's calling from South Bay this time, guys. It's Art. You're on with the Bible Answer Show. Uh, yes. Yeah, so good afternoon. Thank you again for taking my call. My question for today is this. It seems to be that anybody that's you know, we have to go out to the Great Commission, for instance, and evangelize. But we cannot just come by ourselves to Christ, right? Because it says in scriptures that we can only come to Christ when the Father draws us. So in other words, when the Father don't draw us, that's it. We cannot have a relationship with Christ. Is that, is that correct? Is that the way you also interpret it? Because it seems yeah. to me that we just become, you know, well, I become, you know, a member of Christ, and that is it, you know. Well, Art, Art, yeah, I think, you know, you're you're appealing to John chapter 6. And look, um, you know, we have verses that say that God's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we're not going to come unless the Father draws us. And you, you know that there's different views on, you know, how 
salvation works and you know how much of it is god and how much of it is us and how does the pie split and our, you know there's synergism and monergism and all all those things the that get debated but in the end i think god is constantly making appeals to us through creation for example mm-hmm. romans 1 our conscience romans 2 14 and 15 the reality of christ coming into the world in fact, you know, uh, Psalm 19 says that uh, mm. the creation is testifying day and night mm. of God um, and who He is. And the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen by the creation, Romans 1. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree that we're not going to come unless the Father draws us. But I would say that looking at the big picture of Scripture, God is drawing us all the time. And He's drawing us through creation, conscience, you know, the reality of Christ, and of course, the Word of God. How will they hear without a preacher? But, you know, there's some people, Art, that are reading their Bible on their own in a prison cell and get saved, Mm -hmm. and there's no preacher preaching, but the ultimate preacher's preaching because, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, Mm -hmm. God, God's Word is preaching to them. Um, So, thoughts? A great word, Pastor Michael. Um, So, if there were to be an order to salvation. It starts with God. It doesn't start with us. He initiates salvation. He reveals his light to us and we we respond to it. So it does start with God. He does have to draw us to himself. But as Pastor Michael pointed out, he's always drawing us. The problem is never on God. He's always drawing us. He wants us to be saved more than we want ourselves to be saved. Another good scripture to go along with it is uh, John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus, talking about his death, he says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Just had the same scripture pulled up. <laughs> yeah, that's great because I, I totally agree with you. I think we all agree that that he is continually drawing all men unto himself. So there's never an issue. God is drawing everyone. Now, we might say at times that I finally felt the draw of God mm-hmm. upon my life, which really means I finally opened up my eyes or my ears and heard what God was saying to me. So we, we come and we hear a message and we go, wow, and we say, that's when God drew me to him. Well, no, God was drawing you all the time, but that's when you open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart. And I think there, you know, we could argue just looking at the Bible that there's some God-ordained moments. The Ethiopian eunuch was already reading scripture, and then Philip is told to go up to the chariot and explain to him what he's reading. But he's already going to Jerusalem, you know, on his way back, reading from Isaiah 53, and God has a preacher there. Cornelius is a good man, Mm. right? He gives alms to the poor. I think it says there he prays. And Peter is specifically sent by God, by the Holy Spirit, to go into Cornelius' house and preach the gospel. So, you know, all the dynamics, we don't always know for sure, but we know this, that that uh, people suppress the truth as well. Romans 1.18 says they literally push it down or push it away. And so the truth is all around us. But I think there are poignant moments as well. You might be at a memorial service. You might have been invited to church by a friend, and you have an encounter with God. And that's a time when you can either suppress the truth, run from the truth, or yield to the truth. Mm. And that's where man's part is as well. Even if scholars say man is a passive participant, you still have to believe. Yeah. You have to repent and receive Christ. And and so that's, that's the way I would argue it works. All right. You're listening to the Bible Answer Show. The number here is 1-800-227-5278. If you want to give us a call and ask the guys a Bible question, you can uh, get your call in now. Uh, before we go to Kathy and Marietta, uh, Pastor Michael, we got some pretty major changes coming to the Bible Answer Show uh, towards the end of this week. You want to tell our listeners what's going on? 
Yeah, Mike. So we're switching to a podcast. And uh, one of the ways that people can access that podcast is getting the Living Truth Christian Fellowship, Fellowship app, uh, Google Play, the Apple Store. Um, uh, download that app and we'll be able to keep you up to date on what's going on. The primary way that we are launching this new format is on Facebook. And we've been having Facebook Fridays, but now Facebook Fridays are going to be an hour. We're going to go from 12 to 1. Uh, this coming Friday, we're going to kick that off. So please be listening and go to our Facebook page, which is the Bible Answer Show, uh, and click like on the Facebook page and then share it with your friends. Brian, you've been pounding on this. Share it, share it, share it, share it. Let people know that 12 o'clock they can jump on Facebook. Uh, we're actually being videoed. Uh, so it's actually on a video feed on Facebook. And you can type your questions in live to us on Facebook. We're going to take that, at least a half an hour of that hour, and broadcast it in the evening on Kbright at 6.30 p.m. We already have a Living Truth Radio program uh, at 6.30 Monday through Friday. So on Fridays, we'll, we'll broadcast the uh, pre-recorded show, um, hopefully of what happened earlier that day, at 6.30 p.m. on Kbright. So those are some of the details. Did I forget anything? Uh, man, you, you nailed it. You <laughs> did. If for whatever reason on somebody's phone, whatever, their, their uh, memory's full and they can't add another app or whatever, if you have an iPhone, just subscribe to the Bible Answer Show on iTunes. Uh, if you have an Android phone, if you have a podcast addict or something like that, again, subscribe uh, that way if you, if you can't get our app. The good thing is, is that people who have all this, they already know this. We're, we're like, you know, well, that might be hard for somebody to figure all that out, but it, it really isn't because when you say subscribe to a podcast, if you're a podcast person, you know yeah. how to do that, right? Right. <laughs> and we would just say, Mike, one, one more thing. Everybody join us really strong this coming Friday. We'd like to get out of the gate really strong. And please keep us in prayer. Uh, if you have friends in other states that uh, are believers or have questions, tell them about what, what's going on, that from noon to 1 p.m. Pacific time, they can jump on this Facebook, they can get the podcast uh, opportunities, and they can listen and ask questions. And we'd like to reach the whole world with the show. So please let people know. All right. All right. We got a couple people on hold. We're going to go to Kathy and Marietta. Uh, Kathy, you're on with the Bible Answer Show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks very much for taking my call. Um, my question is, um, is there any Old Testament scripture verses to support the Jews' vision of what the Messiah will be like, rather than the scripture that Jesus points to showing them that he is the Messiah? Well, yeah, there, there are several. Um, one, of, one of the uh, places that comes to mind is Psalm chapter 2. And Psalm chapter 2 talks about, you know, um, God's anointed, that he is the, the appointed king, the Messiah is. Um, you can look at aspects of Isaiah chapter 7, uh, the prophecies about, you know, that he'd be born of a virgin, that the government would rest on his shoulders uh, later in, in chapter 9 of Isaiah. Um, you, Kathy, if you're still up, I, I, wanted, I wanted to just um, ask you for a clarification. Are you talking about like, for example, um, them seeing him as the suffering servant or as just a, like, taking David's throne, which, what, what did you mean by that? I think, well, I just came from a Bible study this morning, and we were talking about how it were in John 10, right. and how the Jews did not, did not accept Jesus's, um, you know, testimony that he is 
but he did not call himself the Messiah because their idea of the Messiah was somebody who was going to come as more like a warrior mm-hmm. and take on the government. So that's, and I put it out to my group. I said, okay, so I'm just curious. I couldn't think of any Old Testament scripture mm-hmm. um, that started that version of the Messiah that, that they have. Okay, Brian's going to respond to you. Kathy, great question, and keep keep up the good work with your Bible study. Um, the other pastors will find specific scriptures on this, but you you hit on something that is really important. During the time of Jesus, the Jews at that time had a vision of what the Messiah was going to be. They, they could look at the Hebrew scriptures. They also had a, a lot of um, their own ideas of what he was going to look like, but the consensus was that he was coming to destroy the Roman Empire and free them from oppression. So what they did is they flat out ignored the other prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures that talked about a Messiah that would suffer. And if you think about it from their perspective, how could you have a ruling Messiah who's, who's going to come and make war and set up a kingdom forever? How can you have that but also he's described as suffering and, and in pain and dying? They couldn't reconcile it, and that was because they didn't fully understand the cross and the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah, so Pastor Michael already referred to it, Isaiah 53, as the best place to go when you're sharing with someone along this line, because it says very clearly, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, completely opposite of what they were um, looking for. And so um, the key for them in understanding the the scriptures was just what uh, Pastor Brian was saying, was not understanding that there was going to be more than one coming of the Messiah. And and Coach, I think there were even two rabbinic schools of thought of the time that one saw a dying Messiah, one saw a conquering Messiah, and I think they were even in conflict one with another. The, The other place I think of is Psalm 22, Kathy, where it you know, describes in great detail uh, the crucifixion and what Jesus would go through on the cross. I also think of Micah 5, where it says that, you know, there will be this one who will shepherd my people. And, you know, you're mentioning John 10, where it uses shepherd imagery, the shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Mm. Isaiah 53, I think it's around verse 6. Uh, Was Jesus referred to as the Messiah by the Jewish people? Well, you know, uh, early on, uh, it's Andrew coming up to Peter saying, we have found the Messiah, John 1, 41. And the woman at the well said, I know when the Messiah comes, he will, you know, show us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. So there were moments when he specifically said he's the Messiah. In fact, he's in Mark, he's before the high priest. And he's asked, are you the son of the blessed one? And he says, I am, mm-hmm. which is a reference to Messiah from Daniel 7, 13 and 14. So, Kathy, it's a great well, question. Her, uh, to her question, I mean, you guys quoted some great scriptures of how we see Jesus. Yeah. But her question was, is there any scripture that the Jews were looking at to support their view of him coming and conquering? Sure. Being... Psalm 2 is the first one I started with, Mike, um, that he will rule with a rod of iron. He will shatter the nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's all kinds of scriptures that talk about the Messiah sitting on David's on throne. David's throne. Okay. I, Isaiah, right? The uh, 
Isaiah Deuteronomy. nine, yeah, six yeah. and seven, the mm-hmm. government will rest on his shoulders. So yeah, there okay. was there was plenty of those types of scriptures right, as well, Mike. Right. Yeah, I I was just gonna add, even even his own disciples, whenever he talked about his death, they just tuned it out. Like they didn't understand it. And it, it's such a testament to how we can be, like we can get a certain viewpoint or prejudice about yeah. something and we, we're just not open to anybody else's opinion on it yeah. mm-hmm. like a presuppositional view and then we we shoehorn everything into that view and they did that and even at the end they were saying are you going to set up the kingdom now are you going to set up the kingdom now <laughs> alright let's try to squeeze in one more Robert from Riverside, Riverside you're on with the Bible Answer Show hey guys thanks for taking my call hey uh, my brother uh, I see my brother maybe once a month or so and he's having a really hard time in his life he's got a big workload and He's taking on a business that his dad gave him, but there's really no relationship between him and his dad as there was when he was a child. And his dad's moved out of state, and now he's kind of here by himself trying to take over the business and doing such business, 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 business. I try to talk to him once in a while about Jesus, and and he's kind of on the fence. He doesn't believe. Sometimes he says he's atheist, and sometimes he says, yeah, we're all sinners, uh, and there's God. And But he threw something in my face the other day where he kind of laughed about the resurrection of Christ, and he said that he was a, it was something made up for the Jews. And I don't understand what, he, what that means. I've heard that before, and I'm yeah. not mm-hmm. sure what that means. Yeah, Robert, well, your brother uh, may be watching some of the History Channel, where they often say that, you know, the... Uh, the the resurrection became a metaphor for the struggle between the Jews and the Romans and trying to overcome a foreign oppressor and that kind of thing. But it's just bogus. I'll give you something really quick. I, I did this actually on Sunday. Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection on a number of occasions. You can look at Mark 9, Mark 10. Uh, I don't have the specific addresses, but they're around verses 31 and 32 in both chapters. He says, I'm going to die. They're going to scourge me, spit at me, crucify me, and I'm going to rise three days later. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead in his physical body, then those prophecies are a lie, and you can't trust anything that he said. He prophesied his own resurrection. And then he rose in the very history in which we were embedded by many infallible proofs. You can look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3. You can look at Romans 1, uh, round verses three and four, where he's declared to be the Son of God with power by resurrection, and especially look at First Corinthians fifteen, where it details appearances that the Lord made to Peter, to um, more than five hundred witnesses at one time. There's so much evidence for the re- resurrection. In fact, more evidence for the resurrection says Simon Greenleaf than any event of antiquity. Really quick, Brian. Two great resources if you want to pick these up. The Battle for the Resurrection by Dr. Norman Geisler, and then the two leading experts on the resurrection, Gary Habermas and Michael Lacona. They wrote a book called The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus. So jot those down. And one more called Who Moved the Stone? So the evidence is there, Robert. And if you're listening and you're kind of skeptical, like Robert's brother, the evidence is there. Go check it out. Because Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Amen. Hey, the Bible Answer Show is produced by Shane Lance and Cameron Thomas. Special thanks to Joel back in the studio for picking up our calls and uh, screening them back there. Uh, hey, thanks to all you guys that called in today with questions. We hope you helped, we helped you out. Uh, and hey, thanks you guys for answering questions. We'll catch you tomorrow on the Bible Answer Show. Thanks for joining the conversation on the Bible Answer Show. To find out more about the radio ministry, Michael Lance, 
or the church he pastors in Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, visit livingtruthradio.org. Please tell your friends about us and invite them to join us any weekday here on K-Bright. And if they have questions, we'll have answers on the next Bible Answer Show.